Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Sermon Podcast. Abundant Life is based out of Lee Summit, Missouri and has campuses throughout the Kansas City metro area and online. We want to see your life changed by Jesus. For more information about Abundant Life or for locations and service times, visit livingproof.co. Thanks for listening. What's up, Abundant Life? If you have a copy of God's Word, why don't you find the book of Luke, chapter 17, is where we're going to be at this morning. If you are new to the Bible, Luke is in the second half of your Bible. You'll find Matthew, Mark, and then Luke, chapter 17. And as you are working your way there, I hope that you had a great Thanksgiving. And so we got to travel back down to the motherland. If you don't know this, I am from the south. I'm from Texas. And we got to go back home to Texas. And uh, man, it was just a, it was a, it was a great Thanksgiving, but also it was a little bit different in my household uh, because we were passing around more than just food and good times in my household. And so I don't know if you've ever had a holiday like this where, you know, people are coming from all over the place and, and we all rendezvous at my in-laws. And, um, and, and it was one of those deals where I was like, I, I think everyone's good. But then when we get there, everyone was not good. And so we had a little bit of a, of a fever running around. I'm not really sure. It wasn't that big of a deal, but it was something. It was a sickness uh, that led to kind of this, like, um, at one point in time, this person is isolated. And, and then at one point in time, we're having to, like, fold up the, the meal and carry it over to this, um, this sister-in-law because she's not feeling good. And, and then we're, we're visiting our 97-year-old grandmother, and we're like, all right, who, who can go visit her? Who can't? You know, just all of the stuff. You've probably been there before. And, and this little sickness is so invisible and so insidious and so, you know, just frustrating, you know, and because it wasn't that big of a deal, but it was just enough to kind of just make it a little off, you know, and, uh, and at some point in time, everyone kind of dealt with it in their own way. And, uh, and we were, we were a little bit frustrated and it impacted the whole household, this invisible thing. And you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been there, had something like that happen. But the reason why I share that with you this morning is because we're talking about something that's real similar in nature, and what we're talking about is anxiety. So you see the word that's right behind me, anxiety. That anxiety is this thing that's invisible. It's something that I think that everyone has dealt with to some degree or another. And we're gonna talk about what God's word has to say about this thing called anxiety. Now, the way that we're going to get there is through a story where Jesus, he interacts with some people that weren't wrestling with anxiety, but they were wrestling with the sickness nonetheless. And one of the things I want to talk about this morning is anxiety, because I think this is something that we all are dealing with in some form or fashion. Maybe you're not dealing with it directly, but somebody in your family, or maybe you've had a season in your life where you've, you've just been anxious. And, and let me just kind of give a disclaimer real quick. I'm not a medical doctor, all right? And so I think there's kind of this case of anxiety that's, that's clinically diagnosed. There's some chemical issues and that sort of thing. I'm not talking about that this morning. I'm talking about Anxiety that comes from stress, anxiety that comes from busy, anxiety that comes from strained relationships, worry, fear, kind of that concoction that I think many of us are dealing with or have dealt with in our lifetime. The World Health Organization, they're saying this about Americans, that we are the most anxious generation ever in human history. I think that many of you have come in here this morning and you know exactly what I'm talking about, that there's, that there's, this, there's this thing that you've dealt with that's caused you to lose sleep, caused some strain on some of your relationships, maybe even robbed you of life. And here's what I know to be true about anxiety, that if you don't deal with it properly, it could cause you your life prematurely. And so we're gonna talk about this this morning because here's what I also know to be true. Jesus has something better for us. That if you've come in here and you are being gripped by something that is not godly, Jesus wants to deliver you from that thing. 
and that Jesus wants to step into whatever situation that you're in and he wants to begin to do some things that only he can do. And so we're gonna be talking about how he's done this historically and pray that he'll do that for us today. If you're taking notes this morning, I've titled this message, How to Be Made Whole from Anxiety. How to Be Made Whole from Anxiety. And I want you to see from God's word a serious sickness. We're gonna relate that to anxiety. Then I wanna introduce to you a satisfactory healer. And before we leave this morning, we're gonna talk about a suitable response to that healer. In Luke chapter 17, what's going on is that Jesus is well into his ministry and he's been doing some things that are just out of this world. People have been writing them down and he's got quite the reputation of doing some amazing things where he's ushering the kingdom of heaven to earth and he's healing people, he's feeding people, he's teaching people and he's on the outskirts of the Roman empire but he's turning the world upside down even from a place of anonymity. And so Jesus, he's headed to Jerusalem and he's about to accomplish one of his greatest works, and that was to die on a cross and then raise from the grave. And as he is on his way to Jerusalem, this is where we pick up in Luke chapter 17, starting at verse 11. It says, now it happened when he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now, this is like if I'm saying I'm going to Kansas City, I'm going to go through um, Lee Summit and Raytown to get there. All right? This is kind of how close these things are. He says that then, in verse 12, then he entered a certain village... And there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off. Point number one, if you're taking notes, you could write this down, a serious sickness. A serious sickness. Now we see here that he goes to a certain village and he sees these 10 lepers. And uh, in our culture, leprosy is not really, a, it's not really a prevalent thing. I think that we all maybe have some idea of what leprosy is. But back in the day, this was a really, really big deal. It's curable. It's a curable disease, but they didn't have the cure back then. And so when he sees these guys, these 10 lepers that are in a certain village and they're, they're there, like this is a really, really big deal. To the original audience, they would have been like, oh no, this is not good. These guys, I mean, they, Jesus doesn't even need to interact with these guys because they would have known the Levitical law. In Leviticus chapter 13, there's all of these details about how you deal with people that have different skin diseases. And one of those is leprosy. When you get down to the end of Leviticus chapter 13, you find that if someone has leprosy, they get to cover their mouth, they have to tear their clothes. If anyone gets close to them, they have to shout, unclean, unclean as if the disease isn't bad enough. You gotta shout out to all the people, hey, I, get away, get away. And then it says in Leviticus 13, verse 45, that they are to verse 46, that they are to live alone. And so I guess these 10 guys at some point in life, they, they were outside, they were relegated outside the village and then they heard one another shouting unclean, unclean. They found the unclean shouts and then they formed a little community of misfits. And their life was, was over as they knew it. They were relegated just to manage their sickness. There was no hope for them. They were just gonna eventually lose their feeling that you grow numb when you have leprosy. You then get blind and then eventually you die prematurely. A couple of things about leprosy is that you, you also have to, you have to isolate from others. And in this culture, if you had this disease, you felt isolated and forgotten by God. Now, leprosy, it's, uh, it's been cured, but there's a, there's a similar principle, or there's something similar in principle that's plaguing our generation. And the thing that's similar in principle that is plaguing our generation and that is far more insidious is this thing called anxiety. That anxiety, like leprosy, it's a slow-growing secretion in our system from within, and it's complex, and, and it can come from a number of different places. I wish I could just say, hey, if you'll deal with this one thing, then you'll be cured from this thing, but there's a number of different things that contribute to anxiety. 
Now, I want to talk about just a handful of those. I think many of you have come in here because I know I've dealt with these things that have led to some anxiety in my life. And so let's talk about a couple of those things. And uh, the, the number one thing that will cause anxiety in your life is, um, is your in-laws. I'm just kidding. That's not, that's not popping up there. It's not, that's, not, that's not a note. Um, <laughs> I love my in-laws. If y'all are watching, I love y'all. That was, I'm just kidding. Anyway, th- thanks for Thanksgiving. <clears throat> All right. So, and, and my wife. And so anyway, um, here, here's one that could cause some anxiety in your life. Materialism. Materialism. Now, materialism, um, it, is, it is something that, that you get gripped by, but you really don't know it. It's, it, the, the definition is that you value material possessions and comfort more than spiritual things. And if you're anything like me, you kind of bristle at stuff like this. You go, well, I'm not materialistic. I just like new things. You know, it's the same thing, all right? That I think that in our nation, we're far more materialistic than we can really even imagine because it's really the air we breathe. We're the consumers. I mean, we, we consume a lot of things. And we're like in the sales sandwich right now, right? So we had Black Friday, and then we got Cyber Monday tomorrow. Some of y'all are shopping right now. Get off your phone. Quit shopping, okay? Just log it in just for a minute, please, all right? The, the sale will still be there tomorrow, I promise. Like, we'll spend billions of dollars as a nation because of the sales that are going on. Now, I'm not against having new things. I'm not against having nice things. The problem is not having things. It's when the things have you. And it's when you've got to have a thing in order to feel like someone. It's, it's, when, you are, it's when you're spending more time shopping Black Friday sales, I'm, I'm meddling with somebody, and Cyber Monday sales than you are in God's word. It's when, you're, it's when you're being consumed about getting the best deal on that new vacuum blender whatever thingy instead of really focusing on what God's trying to do in your life. Materialism, there's a materialism expert, didn't know that was a thing, but they, he said this, a guy named uh, Tim Kaser, he said, people who made money and possessions a priority generally experienced more unpleasant emotions, a greater incidence of physical ailments such as headaches and stomach aches, and less satisfaction in their lives. The word of God tells us that the world and its desires are gonna pass away, but whoever does the will of the Lord is gonna live forever. That God, he's not, he's not opposed to things, but he's opposed to those things having you. What's the thing that you're trying to get thinking that that thing is gonna give you only what God can give you? And, and, and many times we're anxious and stressed because we don't have enough or we don't have the right stuff. Another thing that can contribute to anxiety is entitlement. Entitlement. Entitlement is this, it's a, the more I have, the more I deserve, you know? And some of you are like, well, I'm not entitled, but who set the temperature in here, you know? I'm not entitled, but man, it was loud this morning. I'm not entitled, or, or was it wasn't enough? Who got my who who my park is? You know, and oftentimes we we struggle with entitlement. Like the left lanes for fast drivers, you know what I'm saying? You know, you know. I'm like we're entitled to drive fast in the left lane, right? And there's just certain things like we 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 think we deserve. And what happens is when we don't get what we think we deserve, oftentimes we get disappointed and it leads to stress and it could lead to anxiety in our life. Josh Grubbs, a PhD, he said this, that entitlement, it creates a constant vulnerability to unmet expectations. Unmet expectations then lead to dissatisfaction and other volatile emotions. That, that when you're entitled, it, it, oftentimes it's never enough. Many of you, you had a Thanksgiving that was maybe like mine, and you're like, you know, like, God, we deserve better than people being sick. You know, we've been obeying you. We've been doing all the things you want us to do. And, and my in-law's like, and the pastor's here. We got a son-in-law that's a pastor. He's here, you know. Like, could you just help us out here? 
We deserve everyone to be happy and healthy and, and full of good turkey and whatever. And oftentimes we get really entitled and frustrated. And, and here's where I've just kind of come to the conclusion of my life. If Jesus Christ didn't give me another thing, I have way more than I ever deserved. And when I truly think about what I deserve, it's, it's frightening. So maybe it's, uh, maybe it's entitlement, maybe it's materialism, or, or maybe it's fear. That's another thing that can contribute to anxiety, fear or excessive worry. There's a part of our brain that has been activated way too much in our society. It's called the limbic brain or the, the lizard brain for, is a nickname for it. And the lizard brain, it's a nickname for the part of your brain that deals with survival and creates your fight or your fight or flight response. You may think of it as your own kind of personal freak out zone, all right? So if you're in the woods and there's bears around and they start grumbling, your limbic brain is saying, run, you know, run faster than that, that one, you know what I'm saying? So let them get eaten, that sort of thing. And so like they're, they're saying it's run, that's the part of your brain, you know? And, um, and, and what's, what's happening, researchers, neuroscientists, they're telling us that in our modern society, the lizard brain is being active way too much. Now, you can't shut this part of your brain off because this is the part of your brain that tells you to breathe, tells your heart to beat, but also controls that, that excessive fear and that fight or flight. It's the part of your brain that's shouting at you, you're being attacked. It's the part of your brain that shouts at you, you don't have enough. And maybe it shouts at you, you're not enough. But listen, God, God loves you and he won't withhold from you any good thing and, he, and he'll withstand any evil thing that's against you. God loves you. And what the word of God tells us is that perfect love, that type of godly love, it casts out fear. That there's no fear in love, 1 John 4, 18 tells us. And so anxiety, it, it comes from many different sources. Here's just three of them that maybe you're dealing with, that you've dealt with. And it's leading to this, this concoction that many of us are drinking and causing us to be anxious. And it's like modern day leprosy. Leprosy causes you to grow numb. Anxiety causes you to grow emotionally numb. Leprosy causes you to be blind. Anxiety can cause you to be blind to all that God has done around you. Leprosy can cause you to lose your life prematurely, and so can anxiety. These lepers, they were in a predicament, and maybe you've come in here this morning, and you are too. Now, if you're anything like me, like I have a hard time admitting when I'm anxious. You know, like I'll be like, I'm not anxious, and my wife, are you anxious? I'm not anxious, I'm just a little stressed. It's the same thing. Well, I'm not anxious. I'm just, I'm just worried about it. It's the same thing. And listen, if you come in here and you're a little stressed, if you come in here and you're carrying anxiety, listen, God wants to help you. I've got good news for you. Jesus did not come for the people that have it all together. He came for the broken and the needy and those that are riddled with anxiety and all kinds of other issues. And so Jesus, he sees these guys and when he sees them and they're, and they're, and they're there and they're leprosy, he doesn't run the other way. You know, he's got a mission to accomplish. He's got a cross to bear, but he still has time for you. Here's what it says in verse 13. It says that they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And so when he saw them, I love that. You can just circle that phrase, when he saw them. You know that God sees you. I think sometimes we think that we can sin so bad that God can't, he can't, he can't see us. Maybe you've come in here and you've done something and you're like, man, church is the last place I need to be because of what I did recently. And you feel like God's mad at you. He sees you. And it's important how he sees you. He doesn't see you with contempt or condemnation. He sees you with mercy in his eyes. 
So Jesus, it says that he saw them and he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Point number two, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. A satisfactory healer, a satisfactory healer. Listen, Jesus spoke a word and they were healed. Like, how could he do that? Like, who, who is this Jesus that he could just speak a word and they're cleansed? Well, newsflash, Jesus is God. And if you're wondering like why we're so fired up about Jesus, why we're singing songs to Jesus and why we're, why we're thinking about heaven and how all the angels are gonna fall and how we're gonna sing worthy and holy and, and why, why we're so excited because Jesus is God and Jesus can speak a word into your situation and he can change it just like that. He spoke the world into existence. He can raise the dead things that are in your life to life. He can mend the broken things that are in your life with one word. Jesus can do more in a moment than you could do in a lifetime. And he just speaks a word. They were healed. They found that Jesus was a satisfactory healer. How, how were they healed? Well, they cried out for mercy. They said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Jesus saw them. He spoke a restorative truth. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest because the priest was the one in society that would do what Leviticus 13 says and investigate whether or not this person had been healed, much like a doctor. And so he's sending them to the person that's gonna reinstate them to society, reinstate them so that they can worship with God's people. Jesus speaks to them a restorative truth and then they obeyed and they were cleansed. I don't know if you remember the first time you were gripped by anxiety. I know for me, I didn't know what to call it when this first happened in my life. I was 16 years old. Some of y'all have heard this story before, but it was, a, it was about this time of year. And my mom, she was a single mom. God bless you single parents. My mom, she sits me and my brothers down and, and she says, uh, hey, you know, your dad's in jail and... Uh, um, I'm, not, I'm not getting any help from him financially. Um, <laughs> and I, I can't imagine being a parent now. I mean, you know, as a kid, this was hard. But as a mom having to share this, she said, we're, we're probably not gonna have much of a Christmas and uh, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying really hard, babies, to, to keep our house. And I remember like, you know, seeing the stress in her life and seeing the worry in her life. I can only imagine what she was dealing with. And then, and then just kind of beginning to personalize that. And I remember just being gripped with worry, you know, like stress and like, how are we going to make it and what's going to happen? And, and so like, I, I, you know, I begin just to work hard. That's, that's kind of been my default. You know, when, when stuff gets bad, just work harder, you know? And, and I think sometimes I could just work myself out of my worry and, and it doesn't work that way. You just work harder, you know? And so I start working and I'm making minimum wage as a 16 year old and I'm, I'm trying to help pay the bills. I remember taking and bringing my paycheck and sitting on my mother's nightstand. She was working four jobs at this time. So it wasn't like she was like, hey, it's not gonna work out. It's all your dad's fault. I'm just gonna you know, blame him. No, she was getting after it. And we were, we, were, we were anxious as a family. What's gonna happen? What's the future gonna hold? What's gonna happen? And I remember in that, in that moment being like gripped by anxiety and then going to the place where I, I thought that I could go to get help and that was God. I didn't know God real well, but I was like, God, if you're God, then maybe you could help out with this situation. You ever been there? And so like, I, I didn't, but I didn't know what to do. And so like, uh, I was given like this list of memory verses I needed to memorize and, and, uh, and I don't know if anyone's ever given you one of these things, but when you really don't know God and somebody tells you to memorize verses, you're kind of like, okay, I'll do that later, you know? But then when I was desperate, I started searching and I found the list of memory verses and then I went to my Bible and I looked up the second one. It was Matthew chapter six, verse 33 and 34. 
you know, and I was in that place where I'm like, I'm like, Jesus, master, I need a word. You know, I don't know if you've ever done this where you're like, I need a word. And you kind of just flip through the pages and it's like, tells you to go kill a Philistine. You're like, that's not the word. That's not the word, you know. And so you're like, I need, well, I, I was directed. The Bible's a complex book. And so it helps to have direction. And so I go to Matthew chapter six, verse 33 and 34. And, and I remember for the first time, this is when I really felt like God was speaking to me. And I found this verse and, and it just said this, but first seek his kingdom and, and his righteousness and all things will be added unto you. And 34 says, and don't worry about tomorrow. And I was like, worry? Well, I'm, I'm worried. What do you mean don't worry about tomorrow? And the word of God says, because today has enough trouble of its own. In the context of that, I started reading around it and I started seeing that Jesus, what he's saying there is that God sees you in the midst of whatever you're going through. And when you're gripped by worry, when you're gripped by anxiety, you feel forgotten. God's saying, man, my eyes on the sparrow, my eyes upon you as well. And it was as if God, like as if he put his arm around me and said, hey, you, you may not get your house, you may not get the gifts you wanted for Christmas, but you got me. And I'm going to go inside of your soul and I'm going to fix this worry and this anxiety. And I'm going to give you a tool so that when you get back to that place again in life, because you're going to be anxious again for something, you'll return back to my word and you'll be healed. You'll be cleansed. I did what these guys did. I, I cried out. We're not going to make it, God. I need help. My mom's working. I'm working. It's not going to, we need you. Jesus saw me. I learned that God's gaze is upon the needy. Jesus spoke a word to me. I got in his word. If you've never heard the voice of God, read the Bible out loud. We have the verses of God. They are far more secure and clear than the, the voice of God. The voice of God is always clearest in his word. And then I obeyed. Notice that these guys, when Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest, they didn't just stay there, they went. See, miracles, they require movement. You want to see God move? Well, he, he wants to see you move too. And what I've learned is that, is that if you want to see a miracle, but you're not willing to move, you're going to miss the miracle. It says it here. And so it was that they went and they were cleansed. My worry was washed away when I trusted it over to God. The antidote to my anxiety ultimately was a relationship with Jesus. This is a message for the needy this morning. This is a message for those that don't have it all together. This is the message this morning for those that are, that are ready to cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. This is a message who, for the people whose families have a little dysfunction in them. This is a message for the people who don't have it all together. This is a message for the people that are sick and tired of being sick and tired. This is a message for the people that are ready to get to the place of honesty, saying, I'm sick and tired of being isolated and relegated to a place where I'm emotionally numb. I'm blind to the things that God's doing, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm alone. This is a message for those that are ready to cry out to Jesus, a satisfactory healer for mercy and to trust what he tells us to do. This is who the message is for. For everyone else that has it together, I'm sorry you came today. I'm sorry you came today. But for the rest of us, I'm glad that we're looking at what Jesus, what he says and how he responds to people that have been counted out by society. So he says in verse 15, goes on, it says, in one of them, Notice the number there, 10 were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned. And with a loud voice, he glorified God. 
And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Point number three, if you're taking notes this morning, you could write this down, a suitable response. A suitable response. I don't know if you ever read the Bible and, and you notice some of these details, but it's like, okay, 10 were cleansed, but only one of them? Only one of them returned? How ungrateful, you know? Like, uh, what, like what, what in Jesus, he's gonna make that observation here in a second, but, but what's happening here is that this one person is giving us a model for how Jesus wants us to respond to him. He's showing us that when, when Jesus works in your life, this is how you respond in return. The first thing that we see that this guy does in, in the scripture here is that he recognizes his healing. That's what you and I need to do. We need to recognize our healing. I don't know if you've come in here and you've trusted Jesus Christ with something, but listen, Jesus Christ, he wants to move into your life and he wants to do some things in your life, but some of those things, they take time. And if you're anything like me, like I'm not who I once was, I'm not who I should be, but I'm not who I once was, you know what I'm saying? And as I look in my life, many of us, we're, we're just, we, we're, we're, we're trying to level up so much in our, in our walk with God or in our life that we get, dis, we get ungrateful for what God has done. Uh, we, we, we forget what he's done. We, we fail to recognize how much God has worked in our life. And we need to stop and pause and, and realize some of us, man, God, God has delivered me from these things. You know, I, I, I wake up every day, I still struggle with, with temptation. I found this to be true. The temptation, it's always tempting. Y'all found that to be true? It's, all, it's tempting, you know? Like, like Thanksgiving this year, I wanted to overeat again. And by God's grace, I don't think I did. I don't know. That's always, a, you know, I'm like, I don't know how you tell. Anyway, I always feel like, is, this, is, is three pieces of pie too much? You know, like, anyway, for breakfast. And so anyway, I just... So, like, I'm, I get tired of, of struggling. And there are some times where I, I'm like, God, when are you going to heal me from this? And, I, and I've got to look back and realize that God has given me victory through that struggle for decades now. Even though the temptation is still here, he's been healing me. He's cleansing me. And we have, if, if we're going to respond to God for what he's done in life. We've got to recognize that he's been working in our life. And then when we recognize that, we've got to return to the healer. This is what this guy does. He looks down at some point, the 10, you know, they were told to go see the priest. And they're like, go see the priest? What kind of healing is that? I thought he was going to spit in the mud and like rub some dirt on us or like part some waters or something. And, and you just want us to go, go see the priest, go see the priest. It's like the lamest healing message we've ever heard. Oh my gosh, I'm healed, you know? And the 10, like at some point in their journey, they realize that they're healed. And then the one guy's like, we're healed. And he starts running back towards Jesus. And he's returning to the healer so that he can give praise and adoration and maybe even have a relationship with the one that healed him. So when I was 16, um, like God, God, he worked in my life. He gave me a word. And I really feel like that he, he began to do some new things in my life. But, but I, don't, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but like I was just really selfish in my faith. And what I mean by that is that I went to God when I needed something but then when I got what I needed, I was like, all right, God, we'll holler at you next time. Y'all don't look at me like y'all got it better than me, all right? Like, come on now. I know some of y'all here, you ain't been to church in a minute because you need something, you know, but be careful because, you know, I mean, God, he, he's got grace and he wants to help you out, but he wants so much more for you. He, he doesn't want you just to visit him like a doctor, get a prescription, go have it filled at the Holy Walgreens and then not see him until the next time you're sick. And I think as I look back on my life, because I, I got something from God, but I didn't get God. 
I got something from him. He helped me out in a bind. But then I drifted away from him years after that. And then, I, and then I, as, I've, as I've grown, as I've understood the Bible more and I've understood God and as I've gone to other times in my life where I had need, I realized, oh, Jesus isn't trying to get me out of the hospital. He wants me to stay here. That the goal of Christianity is dependence. He's not trying to raise you up independent. See, I was seeing Jesus like a doctor when I needed to see him like a daddy. And when you realize you've been healed, you return to your healer so that you build a relationship. That Jesus has done the things that he's done in your life, not so that you can be on your merry way and have some sort of external, placid uh, healing or whatever it is. He, he's done the things in your life so that you would return and have relationship with him so that he could do something on the inside that you desperately need him to do, that you were made for a relationship with your maker, not apart from him. And so this guy is returning back to the healer. And then he says this. He says that he was raising a loud song. He was, he was going back and he was, with a loud voice, he was glorifying God. Uh, this, this, this phrase, loud voice, it's the Greek word mega. And so it's like, he's got the megaphone and he's like, oh, wow, praise God, oh my goodness, you cleanse me. So when he sees Jesus, he was once crying out for mercy. And then when he returns, he's crying out majesty, glory, praise God, and he's raising this loud voice. So tomorrow, when you go to the office and you've recognized God has healed you, you raise a loud song. I'll be careful doing that, all right? I, wouldn't, I don't know that I would recommend that. But let your life tell of the praise of God. And you don't have to be loud to be clear. And so when somebody asks you, how was your Thanksgiving? You can tell them about the turkey and tell them about the Chiefs winning this afternoon. You can tell them about all that stuff, right? But you pick the stories that you tell. And you can tell them about the turkey unto Thanksgiving and glory to God. You can say things like, you know what, man? It was, it was you know, family got together. It was crazy. We had a good time. But praise God for my family. And that's a way for you to subtly give praise to the one that has been working in your life. And then when we come in here on a Sunday and we get the chance to raise a loud song, you know, some of y'all sing bad like me. I can hear you, all right? And, um, and so like, but let's sing bad together, you know, because we turn the volume up into this place and it just gives me some comfort that I don't have to hear myself sing that bad. You know, I can barely hear it. But, you know, I can, sing all, I can hear all the good people singing. So we turn it up loud and we say, let's sing because God does something in our song. Uh, researchers, they tell us this, that when we, when we group sing, here's what it says, uh, a Time Magazine article said group singing has been scientifically proven to lower stress, relieve anxiety, and elevate endorphins, that God does something in our song. I don't know if you ever think about your relationship with God and you're like, man, I don't know, I could ever pay God back. Newsflash, you can't, all right? And so I don't know if you ever got a gift from somebody that's not God, like, you know, like somebody that you know and they gave you something big and you're like, yeah, but can I, can I wash your car? They're like, no, don't wash my car, man. Just take, take the gift, you know? Can I do this? And like, no, you can't pay me back. Well, with God, it's like that infinitely more, you know? But when we read the Bible, one of the things that we can do to pay back God is to praise him. Listen, praise is our payback. Why do we come in here and raise our voices and get so fired up about God Almighty? Because he's changed my life. Because he's healed me from some things. Because when I cried out to him in my desperation, have mercy on me, he met me there. 
And so I'm going to come and I'm going to raise a song. Amen. And when we raise a loud song, God is well pleased. When we sing, you are worthy of it all. The ear of heaven is attentive to the praise of his people. So they, this, this guy, he raised a loud song, and then it says he fell down at Jesus' feet. So the next thing he sees, you got to reduce yourself. You know, how do you respond? What, what's a suitable response to the healing of Jesus in your life? Well, you, you recognize your healing. You return to your healer. You raise a loud song, then you reduce yourself. This guy fell at Jesus' feet. This is like the universal sign of I am not worthy to be in your presence. So he sees Jesus from a distance, and he's like singing a loud song. He's like, Jesus, you're amazing. And then when he gets closer, the closer you get to God, the lower that you become. that intimacy in our relationship with God should breed a sense of humility before God Almighty. Like every time we read in the Bible, ain't nobody gonna stroll up into heaven like, Jesus, my homeboy, nobody's gonna do that, right? <laughs> like when you get to heaven, you're gonna be like, wow, face down. It's like up, downs, except without the up thing, you know? It's like a faint goat, you know what I'm saying? You just, wow, you're down, right? Before the holiness and the majesty and the wonder and the greatness of God, this guy gets what every one of us needs to get this morning. That the closer you get to Jesus, you reduce yourself. I've grown to pray on my face because I know that my body has a language. Like I'm doubly arrogant naturally. Like I'm an American and a Texan. It's not a good combo, you know? And it's like when my mom was teaching me to walk, she's like, stick your chest out, you know, like stick it out, you know. And, uh, and so there's this, there's this natural just like body language in me that just wants to elevate and, and be like competitive and, and be bravado. And it's like God doesn't, he doesn't like that. Who are you? The Bible says, what is man that God is mindful of him? And this guy, he gets what we all need to get. He reduces himself. And he falls at the feet of Jesus. And then what he does next is something that we need to get. And the next thing that he does is he begins to give thanks. He begins to give thanks. How, how was your Thanksgiving? I hope it was good. Maybe a better question this morning is how, how is your Thanksgiving? How are you doing at giving thanks? If you had today only the things that you thanked God for, Yesterday, what would you have today? I think there's this tendency in me that, like, I'll experience something good, you know, and, like, and, and I'll, I'll internally give thanks for that, you know. I'm like, man, that's a good meal. You know, inside I'm like, you know, I'm like, thanks. You know, I'm so grateful on the inside. And, and if you're anything like me, like, I, I, um, I just have a hard time verbalizing what I feel. I think it's called, like, being a man. You know what I'm saying? And... Um, and so like when I feel thanks, oftentimes I struggle with saying thanks. And here's what I've learned, that when you fail to express your gratitude, you have unwittingly rejected the giver. Like you ever gave, you ever gave somebody something and they just took it and you're like, well, it would have been nice if you would have said thanks, you know? You know what I'm saying? Y'all done that. I wonder if God ever thinks that about us. We've got to express our gratitude. We have to give it. We can't feel it alone. We have to give thanks. We've got to express our gratitude. Gratitude, if you're looking for a definition, it is to show that a kindness received is valued. 
It's, it's as simple as you saying, thank you. It completes the gift. When we give thanks, we're, we're not only validating the gift, but we're also validating the giver and their significance in our life. And when we don't, again, it's a subtle form of rejection. You can't just feel it. You've got to give it. There was a researcher uh, that talked about gratitude and thankfulness from Harvard. And here's what it says. Uh, this is what they said, that gratitude, it is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. That gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. A PhD, Alex Korb, he said this. He, he, he found that higher levels of gratitude were associated with better sleep, with lower anxiety, and depression. One of my friends, he puts it this way, that gratitude, if you take a note, you can write this down, gratitude is the attitude that sets the altitude for Christian living. The word of God tells us to be, be anxious for nothing, but in everything to give thanks. If you're here and you're dealing with stress and you're dealing with worry and fear and you're dealing with anxiety, one of the things that you can do functionally today is that you can begin to count your many blessings. You can name them one by one and then you'll begin to see all that God has done. That you look at the things that, that God has given you, you begin to choose to be thankful for those things. And when you choose to be thankful for those things, the spirit of God begins to move in like a tide and everything begins to go buoyant and begins to rise so that you don't have to stay in the trough of worry. You don't have to stay in the pit in the alley of anxiety. You can rise above it. You can give thanks. And this guy, he recognizes, oh my gosh, I've been healed. He runs to Jesus. He raises a loud song, but then he reduces himself greatly. And then he begins to grovel at the feet of Jesus and give thanks. And as his gratitude was going up, he was experiencing a relationship with Jesus that is marked by deep-seated thankfulness. We need an attitude of gratitude. What are you thankful for? And how are you expressing it to God and to those around you? Jesus, he, he goes on and he's replying to this guy. This guy's at his feet now and he's just like saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. And so Jesus says in verse 17, he answered and said, uh, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Love that question. I love that, that Jesus is just, he's just saying it like it is. I, I know I cleansed, I know that I spoke to 10 of y'all. Where are the others? And he says, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, arise. Go your way, and note this, he says, your faith has made you well. Some of your translations say, has made you whole. Nine were healed, only one was made well. The Greek word for cleansing that's used earlier is the word catharsis or catharizo. It's where we get our word catharsis. And so it's like this guy, the, the 10, they were all cleansed. They got something externally from Jesus. Um, they, they, they got something that was temporary from Jesus. But then he juxtaposes or he compares and contrasts the cleansing to the healing or the, the wholeness. That this one that returned and got into a right relationship with Jesus, his faith is what made him whole. If you want to be made whole from anxiety, you have to be rooted in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Where you go to him for healing and then you, you raise a loud song, you reduce yourself and you give him thanks. And Jesus, he sees your faith. And he will make you whole or he will make you well. Some of you see Jesus as a catharsis or as a therapy, but Jesus is teaching us that he wants you to see him as a savior, as one to have a relationship with. 
See, there's a sickness that's underneath all of our sickness that Jesus came to heal. There's a leprosy of the soul that Jesus came to mend. And what he's teaching us is that only until you have a right relationship with him will you truly be healed on the inside. That our soul naturally, it is rotting. Our soul naturally is growing numb and cold and blind to the things of God. But Jesus wants to step into our situation and give you relationship with him. And when you ask him for mercy, he will give you a mercy. He will give you mercy because he's rich in mercy. And when you cry out to him for salvation, you'll find relationship with him. And only until you have a right relationship with Jesus will your soul truly be satisfied. And the evidence that your heart has been changed is that you see your healing. You see God's work in your life. The evidence that your heart is change is that you are returning to the healer for relationship time and time again, that you're consistently raising a loud song, that you're reducing yourself and you're growing in humility and that you're giving thanks consistently. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do. Here in just a second, the worship team is going to come out and we're going to raise a loud song. And if, you, if you're not a singer, just speak the words. And, and if you're not a singer, but, you're, but you try like me, man, try in a new way. I want to push you out of your comfort zone a little bit. And I want us to raise an, an anthem of praise to God Almighty in obedience to his word. If Jesus has worked in your life, sing and tell him glory to you. Worthy are you. You're amazing. You've done it all. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure and subscribe and share with a friend. We hope today's message inspired and challenged you. Let's go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. For more information about Abundant Life, visit livingproof.co or follow us on social media at Abundant Life LS.